Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Hi, I'm Ron Hammonds, pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock, and I want to thank you for joining us at Church Online this evening for our special Christmas service. I believe that God has a plan, a plan that includes this season of the year. In fact, I'll be telling you a little more about it in just a moment, but let's begin with something that you may not have heard before. Jesus went to Jerusalem for Christmas. Oh, I know that some of you Bible scholars may be you know, going over all the scriptures in your mind right now, and we'll get to those in just a moment, but this is a very special season. Christmas is not just a secular celebration of some Santa Claus moment. This is a very special season, a season that Jesus celebrated, and it's a season He also wants us to celebrate. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a moment. Let me encourage you. Perhaps you could get something, some notes, and take some notes, or maybe get your Bible and follow along with us so that you can know in the future when people ask you, you know, did Jesus celebrate this season? Well, yes, He did. We're going to be going to the book of John in just a moment. But right now, let's pray. And let's ask God to open our hearts and open our minds so that we can hear the message, the Christmas message that Jesus wants us to hear. Father, Lord, we pray, God, that you would open up our hearts and open up our minds, Lord, as we give this moment to you, Lord. Teach us from your word, Lord, and God, make us more like you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, you know the gospel of John, how that John really took a different look at Jesus and showed us a little different perspective than some of the other writers of the Gospels. John wrote his Gospel late in life. In fact, late in the first century, perhaps in the 90s. And John, the elder apostle, was no doubt already exposed to the writings of what we know as Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And now he's adding some things that perhaps, uh, you know, he may have felt like were more important or important. He leaves a few things out as well and allows Matthew and Mark, of course, and, and Luke to fill those things in. But one of the things that John shows us is that how much Jesus loved Jerusalem. Jesus had a heart. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long have I wanted to gather you under my wings as the hen would gather her chickens, but you would not let me. Jesus loved Jerusalem. He loved the people of Jerusalem, much like King David. King David talked about, you know, if I forget Jerusalem, then, you know, uh, you know let, 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 my, let my arms be cut off. You know, uh, let, uh, you know, terrible things happen to me. We are also encouraged through the scriptures to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In fact, there is a promise attached that if we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, so shall we prosper. You see, God chose to put His name there. And Jerusalem was very important to God, very important to Jesus, and it is also very important to us. 
The Bible records where Jesus went up to Jerusalem several times. John specifically shows us that perhaps even in the period of maybe a year that Jesus went up to Jerusalem four or five times. The year was, you know, perhaps AD 29, the spring of AD 29, all the way around to the spring of AD 30. Jesus, knowing that he was going to be um, you know, leaving his earthly life and ministry soon, every time he went to Jerusalem, he had a very important and a very special message for that moment. We see in John, the second chapter in verse 13, that Jesus went up to Jerusalem at Passover. That's what the Bible says. And it was at that point that he went into the temple and there he cleared out the money changers. He said, you know, my house shall be called a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. And then we fast forward a little bit, just, you know, two months. And we see in John chapter 5 and verse 1, where Jesus goes to Jerusalem again for the Feast of Pentecost. And there he celebrates with all of those in Jerusalem and carries a very special message to those who live there and to us today. Then when he leaves Jerusalem and goes back to the Galilee and, and uh, continues his ministry there, Along about John the seventh chapter, we find Jesus going up to Jerusalem again, verse 2 and verse 10. This time it's the Feast of Tabernacles. Along about September, October of that year, Jesus went to that feast with a very special message for Jerusalem and for the people who lived there. Now, then, if we continue to follow, in John chapter 13, John chapter 2, John chapter 5, John chapter 7, John chapter 13, it is already around to spring again, and Jesus goes back up in March, late March, early April, and he goes to Jerusalem again for the Feast of Passover, the last Passover. And that is the Passover where he is going to offer himself as the perfect lamb for a sacrifice for your sins and for my sins. Wow, amazing, covering that full year at least four times. But if we were to look between John chapter 7 and John 13, in John chapter 10, where we're going to be going, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one more special feast. It's called the Feast of Dedication. It's also known as the Festival of Lights. As well, it is celebrated today by the Jews as Hanukkah. That's right. Hanukkah was a celebration that Jesus went to and enjoyed. Let me catch us up on just a little history. Okay? 167 years before Christ, there was a leader of the Seleucid Empire who was very well known at that time. His name was Antiochus Epiphanes. That's kind of hard to say, uh, but Antiochus Epiphanes was this Seleucid ruler. He was in Egypt in the year 167, and there was a false report of him having died. And uh, this fake news, this false report, this, uh, this wrong report reached Jerusalem. 
And when the people in Jerusalem heard that Antiochus Epiphanes, this bad man, had died, celebrations broke out. They were so happy that he had died. And they celebrated and, and uh, uh, well, news of that celebration reached Egypt and reached Antiochus. When Antiochus heard how the Jews had celebrated his death, <laughs> he immediately left Egypt. And history tells us he went to Jerusalem, and there he destroyed Jerusalem. He killed 40,000 Jews, and he took another 40,000 captive as slaves. But that was not enough for him. He wanted to show his disdain not only for the Jewish people, but also for the Jewish God Jehovah. He took, as history tells us, a sow, which is a older female pig, a mother pig. He took the sow into the temple, and there he sacrificed this sow in the temple to Jehovah. But that wasn't enough. He also took some of the blood and he took some of the um, unclean parts of this animal and made a broth out of them. And he sprinkled this broth all throughout the temple and all throughout Jerusalem, thereby defiling and showing his disdain for the people of Israel and also for their God. He was a horrible, horrible thief, robber, destroyer. Well, three years later, in the year 164, there were two brothers, the Maccabee brothers. They rose up and they led a revolt against the Seleucian Empire. And we know the leader, Judas Maccabees, he ended up driving out all the Seleucid army and he set Jerusalem free. Wow. It was, you know, a, a very celebrated victory. But even though the enemies had been run out of Jerusalem, yet Jerusalem and the temple were still considered to be defiled. They needed to purify the temple. They needed to cleanse it. And the process of cleansing required some holy oil, some very special oil. It takes eight days to purify and make this oil. They looked everywhere. They could find none. Everything had been defiled. But yet we are told by history that Judas Maccabees, in searching throughout all the temple for this oil, found one little sealed jar of oil that had not been defiled. This very special uh, anointing oil, uh, as God had left them, you know, instructions to make and purify, was to be used in lighting the lamps so that the purification process could be done according to the Word of God. But there was only enough oil for one day. It would take eight days to make more, and the purification process took this eight days. And so what do you do? Well, they prayed. And they trusted God for a miracle. And God delivered that miracle. In the year 164, Judas Maccabees, history tells us that this little jar, this little cruise of oil, only enough for one day, 
They lit the lamp and began the purification process, began the cleansing process, began the rededication of the temple. And every day there was enough oil in that cruise to light it for one more day. And there was enough that lasted the full eight days. The rededication, the purification, the cleansing of this temple. Of course, we know today that's Hanukkah. And Hanukkah, that's where we get these seven candles that are lit one each night, you know, and then uh, it adds another one and, and uh, commemorating and celebrating this festival of lights, this uh, feast of dedication. And that's what Jesus celebrated when he was a little boy. And that's where we find him in the last few months of his earthly life and ministry in John chapter 10, going up to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast of dedication, this festival of lights. It was in, uh, it, it can be, uh, you know, it's the 15th of, of, of Kislev, uh, uh, or excuse me, the, the 25th of Kislev, uh, the month on the Jewish calendar. And uh, it can be anywhere from late November to late December. But as we understand in this year, it was probably around this particular time as we're sitting here today. This festival of lights, this feast of dedication, Jesus found himself in Jerusalem. But just as each other time he had gone to Jerusalem, he was carrying a special message for this season knowing that his days to teach the people publicly were coming to a end, coming to an end, you know, quickly, just another three, four months, and he'll offer himself on the cross of Calvary. Knowing this, he carries this very special message to those in Jerusalem. And it's a message that we find in the heart of John chapter 10. First, let's establish in John 10, verse 22. Now, it was the Feast of Dedication, the Festival of Lights, Hanukkah. Now, it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Why was he in Solomon's porch? Well, uh, that's because it was a covered area. Solomon's colonnade was a covered area in the temple, and Jesus walked in that area. <laughs> Why? Because it was winter. It was cold. Perhaps it was raining. And here in this winter, he found himself in the very same place that John chapter 2 had him in when he overturned the money tables, the money changers' tables. They were set up in Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch was also the place where the first church met. Well, here he finds himself in this winter time, in December, about this time of the year. He's come to celebrate this festival of lights. And here he's going to leave a very special message with the people in Jerusalem. He's going to talk about three things. Knowing he's going to be soon leaving this earth in bodily form, he wants to talk to them about leadership. He's concerned that these sheep might feel as though that, you know, they are sheep without a shepherd. And, you know, that's, that the Bible says sheep without a shepherd scatter. And yet he's concerned about the other types of leaders that he has seen on the scene. 
He's going to talk about shepherds, hirelings, and thieves. Let's look in John chapter 10, verse 10, for our special Christmas message this evening. In John 10, in verse 10, the Bible says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Perhaps he's making a reference to Antiochus Epiphanes, because that's what everyone was in Jerusalem for. That's what everyone was thinking about and remembering. You know, uh, he certainly was a thief, and he came to Jerusalem to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He came to take the people away. He came to, to destroy what they had and to leave them empty. You know, it's at this season of the year that many people encounter such emotions, such feelings of loneliness, of emptiness. You know, they're still today as Jesus not only was speaking to the people of that day in that particular festival, but he's also speaking to us today, knowing as he is going to leave this very special message, one of his last messages in Jerusalem, he's going to say, that it's so important that we understand that the thief only comes. Of course, we recognize that thief as the devil, but you know there have been many instances where people have hurt, have robbed, have even destroyed others. And many times, this is the season that people seem to remember these things more for some, some reason. Well, he continues, it's the thief that does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus is saying, you know, he's juxtaposing himself between this thief, between Antiochus, between the devil and himself. And he's saying, I have come for a different reason. I have come to give you life. I'm not here to steal. I'm not here to kill. I'm not here to destroy. I have come to heal. I have come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Look in the next verse, verse number 11. He identifies himself. He's already talked about the thief. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. Look at the difference between the thief and the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You see, the good shepherd is giving his life. In fact, he's giving life, but he's giving his life and he's come to give life and to give it more abundantly. And he does so by giving his life. The thief takes life. The thief, the thief destroys life. Jesus, the good shepherd, the shepherd gives life. Let's, let's read on in verse 12. But a hireling, you notice he covers all three of these. And this is the heart of his message. It's about the shepherd, the hireling and the thief. The hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Verse 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling, and he does not care about the sheep. He says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. As my father, as the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. There's a great difference between thieves, hirelings, 
and shepherds. The message that Jesus was giving in Jerusalem that day, the message that He was leaving for us today in this particular Christmas season is a message of giving. Let's focus for just a moment on this good shepherd. Jesus gave His life for you and for me. Jesus laid down His life, and He did so that He might give us life and give us abundant life. He's not here to steal, to kill, or to destroy. He's not just a hireling. You know what this makes me want to do? This makes me want to look at my life. Certainly, today in our world, with all that has gone on in 2020, you know, we are hoping for a better year next year. But we come to this very special season, and yet we recognize that we are surrounded by different kinds of leaders. Certainly, there are leaders among us like Antiochus who have felt personally disenfranchised, perhaps. And maybe they are leading out of a different heart than the heart of what is best for you, what is best for the Jerusalem or the people of Jerusalem. And yet there are others who we might recognize as hirelings that maybe they're only here for the paycheck. Maybe they're only here for personal gain. And when the wolf comes or when trouble comes, they'll take off running, you know, uh, and, and, and leave the sheep, and the sheep are scattered. Perhaps even in families we see people who have been upset, who have been, you know, offended, and maybe they, you know, hurt those that they really should be helping. Maybe they leave those lonely. In this season of the year, it can be a time whenever we really look at relationships. This Christmas season, this, this festival of lights, this time when Jesus was hoping that we too would rededicate our lives, cleanse and purify our lives with this very special oil of the Holy Spirit that God has anointed. This miraculous opportunity in this season of the year to check ourselves and challenge ourselves and change ourselves where we are. Maybe, you know, you're a Sunday school teacher in a church. Maybe you work with youth. Perhaps you're a pastor, a minister, a youth leader, a, you know, a, a, a minister of music. Why do you do what you do? No one else can check your motive, but you should. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Is it for some personal gain, some personal vendetta? to show someone else, you know, that they were wrong, you know, or to prove something to someone, or perhaps for the money? Why do you do what you do? Let me encourage you, as I have encouraged myself and challenged myself to make sure that I am entering into this season and into my next year committed to have that shepherd's heart the heart of giving, the heart that lays down my life for others. Why not challenge yourself today? And if you have never been born again, Christmas is that season that reminds us that God sent His only Son and He gave Him as a sacrifice for our sins. There are only two ways that you 
and get to heaven. Number one is you must be perfect. Well, you've probably missed that boat already. But the second way, and this is the only way for you and for me, not to be perfect, but to be perfected through Jesus Christ. He's willing to perfect you today. His blood will cleanse you from sin. Call upon Him. Ask Him to come into your heart. And then continue to challenge yourself to do what you do for the right reason. That you might have a shepherd's heart and that you might lay down your life for others. No greater love than this. Lay down your life for others. I challenge you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.